What's going on, Canes fans? Peter Rees here with another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast alongside D-Money. As usual, looking ahead to Georgia Tech this week coming off the bye. D, obviously, every year it seems like Miami has trouble after these bye weeks, but tides are changing. The momentum seems positive. And CanesInsight.com, we've had you cover all, all week with the story updates from practice, from the, the player interviews. D, I know you have a bit of recruiting stuff tonight, um, but again, excited for this episode, getting into Georgia Tech with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution beat writer for Georgia Tech, Chad Bishop. He gave us some great insight, actually covered Lance Gidry at Western Kentucky as well. So we got into Georgia Tech, kind of what's going on up there in Atlanta. Uh, but D, how you doing tonight? Doing great. You know, it's been a bye week, a little slow, so glad to get things up in gear. A lot of content dropping, like you mentioned. Had the interview later later today, uh, later in this podcast. Get some insight on Georgia Tech. Excited for that. Um, we we'll are doing the live. We'll do it a post game. A lot of stuff coming. I'm going to try to drop a bank if I can later this week. You know, I want to make sure it's loaded before I drop it, but that should be coming hopefully soon. So, you know, Kansas Insights rolling. The season's back in swing, conference play. And uh, just jacked up. Everybody like and subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening on audio or on YouTube. Um, you know, go sign up on the forums, canesinsight.com. And by the way, you know, anyone want to get a shout out on the podcast sponsorship? We're open for business. We got a lot of content that we're putting out, a lot of listeners, a lot of action, a lot of people um, with eyeballs and, and ears uh, on this podcast. So if you're interested in, in a spot, reach out to me, standard spot. Talking 250 bucks, and we'll, we'll re- do the read. We'll get a graphic up there if you want, link in the bio. I mean, we'll do whatever, man. Um, we want to support our partners. We always do. So if you're interested in, in getting your name out there, now's the time because Kane's football is hot. Our numbers are going up every single time, and uh, this ship is going is going straight to the top, man. It's uh, It's rolling, so excited. And that includes the live show as well, which we do every week. So And, and listen, don't forget – Titanic as the official spot for the watch parties. I know D held it down a couple weeks ago for the Temple game. I know it's a home game. Everyone wants to make it out to the stadium, but if you can't for whatever reason, I'll be out there at Titanic this week. Best game day deal in town, dollar wings, dollar jumbo shrimp. And again, it's right there, uh, essentially on campus. So again, Titanic restaurant and brewery. I will be there this weekend for the game. I'll have that deal going on and for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, Titanic was awesome. Met some met some Canes Insight fans out there. You know, shout out to everybody that, that met out there. There were Canes Insight people, alumni. I, I had my whole family out there. It was a, it was a great time. Um, really enjoyed it. So I definitely recommend people going out there, taking advantage of the deal. And again, with the sponsorships, I should mention if you want to reach me, you can do it on Twitter with the Canes Insight on the forums or uh, CanesInsight uh, at gmail.com. So reach out to us, man. We're we're open for business, and uh, you know we want to want to spread the word. A lot of eyeballs and ears out there. So, D, getting into this Georgia Tech matchup this week, it's a wounded Yellow Jackets team coming off of a loss to Bowling Green. But all week, coaches, players have been very complimentary of Georgia Tech. Obviously, there's a a shroud of mystery over the defensive side of the ball for Georgia Tech. Can't expect there to be too many schematic changes um, as there's been a demotion and a promotion within the staff for the defensive coordinator spot. 
But offensively, this is a team that does have some firepower. And at the quarterback position, bringing in a guy, Haynes King, from Texas A&M, who has a lot of talent. Yeah, a big recruit guy that Canes recruited, actually. Dual threat, can run, can throw, has good arm strength, and has put up numbers. Um, the loss to Bowling Green is probably the worst thing that can happen from a UM perspective, not only because it diminishes the opponent, it allows our players to potentially put their guards down when they're watching film, which you never want. You always want good film to get the player's attention. Also, they're going to be fired up. You know, They're coming off an embarrassing loss. They're going to want to prove themselves. They know they beat a ranked Miami team. They're right back in business, and you know they can blame the defensive coordinator or something. You know, They can put that everything behind them, and it's a new season for them. It's going to be a motivated Georgia Tech team. What I'm excited to see is, look, our offense, Miami's offense is top five in the country in a lot of categories. We know what they can do. I'm excited to see this defense match up against a dynamic offense because we really haven't seen a ton of that this year. You know, a couple um, G5 opponents, FCS opponent, Texas A&M, more of a, of a defensive team, although they do have some offensive firepower. So this is going to be a test for the defense to see what the defense is really about. Stopping the run, you know, getting after a quarterback like Haynes King. And I want to bring some numbers up here on Georgia Tech that, that jump out at me. Uh, when you look at when you look at the stats, the first thing that jumps out to me is they're very good at protecting the quarterback. Miami has not been getting the quarterback down this year and getting big sack numbers. This is a team that was top ten in the nation in sacks last year that hasn't materialized yet this year. Some of that is teams getting rid of the ball quick. They're not exactly dropping back and scanning the field, but Miami does need more production from its pass rushes, particularly its edge guys. So in terms of um, quarterback sack percentage meaning how what percentage of the dropbacks is the guy getting sacked. Georgia Tech is doing very, very well. They're 31st in the nation, 4.17%, You know, not that far behind Miami, which is 26. A lot of that coming with the second team for Miami. Uh, but still, Georgia Tech can't protect this guy, and he's a dangerous player, Kane's King, with good receivers. So can Miami – they're going to have chances to get sacks. Are they going to be able to – Convert on those chances. Georgia Tech is not a pushover in that department. Um, you know, in terms of stats like yards per play, six point two for Georgia Tech. It's an efficient offensive machine. Um, yards per play, to me, the most uh, easy catch-all stat in terms of offensive efficiency. Georgia Tech ranked twenty eighth in the nation at six point two. Um, you know, obviously, the problem with Georgia Tech is going to be their scoring defense, thirty five points per game against the FBS opponents. And that's 108th in the nation. So we know what that's going to look like. The, that's why the defensive coordinator got demoted. Their run defense is among the worst in the country, 5.5 yards a carry. That's the obvious matchup on that side of the ball. Miami's running game against Georgia Tech's uh, very poor run defense. But I want to see their strength against Miami's defense. That, to me, is going to be a story of the game. Georgia Tech pretty balanced. They throw more than they run, but it's not a huge disparity. Uh, but they're throwing about 51% of the time. And again, hard to sack and efficient when they do let go of the ball. So is Miami going to be able to get some sacks on Haynes' kick? That, to me, is uh, the story of the game. Yeah, and that's one thing. Chad Bishop, again, the Georgia Tech beat writer that he talked about in the interview, was how improved they are at the wide receiver position. They have legit playmakers there. Jaden Davis was talking about the speed at that spot. Um, so they, they'll, they'll throw it around a bit, and, and it's not just Haynes King uh, who's, who's a weapon there. Malik Rutherford from Miami, he's the guy that I'd identified when he was in high school as one of these, you know, Miami Dade, Broward, or you know, South Florida jitterbugs who can catch, who's tough. 
and who was not getting super highly recruited because of his size, but who could do some things at the college level. And he's one of many weapons for Haynes King in this Georgia Tech offense. Still going to see what's going to happen here with some of these injuries. Obviously, the bye week was big for any little dings here and there. Uh, but Mesador and Dean, Mario said it's it's still a wait-and-see approach on them. Yeah, and obviously, see, you can't overlook any game, but UNC is a huge potentially game day type game. But do you want to start if they're, you know, if that's the first game they can play, that's a tough ask. And maybe they won't be ready for that. Or maybe they'll be ready here. Injuries are information is so hard to come by. I've heard mixed things on everybody, so I'm not going to report anything. Um, but you'd like to see if anyone's going to play against North Carolina to play in this game at least a little bit and, and get their feet wet. I think really one thing with the bye week that, that jumps out is the ability to your younger players. You've heard Cristobal talk a lot about that and how he's working in some of the younger guys. Two guys I would keep my eye on very close. Chris Johnson, the running back. You saw what he did with Louis against Temple. You saw him against Bethune. This is someone who, when he's gotten opportunities, has shown speed. And we haven't seen him against the first team uh, or with the first team offensive line. So you go again, let's say a game like this where you have one of the best run offenses with that first team Miami offensive line, one of the worst run defenses in the country with Georgia Tech. If Chris Johnson is pl- <clears throat> excuse me, if Chris Johnson is getting five yards untouched with this, you know, with this offensive line, which he has not played behind against that weak front, that five yards untouched could become 50-yard touchdown. Whereas some of the other tremendous backs, that five yards untouched might be 25 yards. You know, this guy can go 70. I mean, you can go a thousand, depends on how much yards are in front of him, right? So that to me is someone to watch. Also, Ray Ray Joseph, uh, he was somebody that I expected to have a bigger role early on. Didn't necessarily get going, but you saw a very explosive play on a screen against Temple. So potentially more for him as he continues to acclimate to this to the college level. Well, Shannon Dawson was asked about both of those guys this week in in his weekly press conference. And he said, yeah, they're both, you know, I'd expect not only them, but he pretty much said the ball needs to move around a little bit more. Um, So I, you know, a guy like a Robbie Washington, Isaiah Horton, we've seen glimpses of him. Obviously we saw him in that Texas A&M game, make a huge play downfield. Tyler Harrell, Right, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Riley Williams want to see a you know him get a bigger role, which I'm sure is going to happen as as the season continues to progress. But it's going to be exciting to see that we're only four games into the season, right? So it's still early days here, and I think there's still a lot to 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 be seen from a positive standpoint on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's uh, it's always like so the Miami Ohio game is a lot of dick and duck, and that when running and they said, can you throw it downfield? Then obviously Texas A&M, you saw them throw them downfield. Temple, you know, they kind of did whatever they wanted um, in all facets. So this offense is still showing you a lot. You haven't seen the tight ends get involved. Obviously Arroyo's on the horizon, but you do have Riley Williams now. Um, Jaleel Skinner's been in the doghouse, but he's always lurking. So can Miami make big plays to their tight end? You know, that's something to watch. This offense is not a finished product yet. We're still seeing it. We saw TVD run the ball against Temple, you know, who he's making himself somewhat to be accounted for, Bethune as well. 
So is that something we might see? It's not going to be a Tebow offense, obviously, but is he going to show a little bit of that threat? So this offense is continuing to evolve. The obvious question is going to, or the obvious you know prediction or 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 advantage is that Miami running game against the Georgia Tech defense. But is it going to be a situation where Georgia Tech loads the box and dares Miami to throw, and now Miami has very very um, very good opportunities to throw the ball down the field? Uh, against light bo- or against heavy boxes and against one-on-one coverage with guys like Jacoby George, with guys like you know Colby Young, Restrepo. So that's something to watch for as well. Is everybody knows Miami's going to come in here with a tremendous running threat? Is Georgia Tech going to go all in on stopping the run and a some big plays down the field with Jeremiah Smith in the crowd and Nikar in the crowd, two of the best receivers uh, in the nation watching this Hurricanes team. And I think we should give a shout out to Jaden Harris, who obviously Camp Kitchen's returning this week. That's should have been one of the first things we mentioned. Uh, it's it's awesome news, obviously, that he's he's been able to recover, and and it was nothing serious from the the A and M injury. But Jaden Harris is a guy that Coach Cristobal really singled out, said he stepped up in a major way, was really only a special teams guy at the beginning of the year, didn't have much confidence playing in the scheme, and talk about a guy who has created confidence within the staff and his teammates now. Yeah, Jaden Harris, we've been talking about him. I'm a fan. Real quick, I mentioned Jeremiah Smith and Nikar. Also, JoJo Trader, Chance Robinson, two Miami commits in attendance, and a lot of receivers from the 2025-26 classes. So a lot of local receivers in the crowd for potentially a a fireworks show if Miami's on point. But yes, Jaden Harris. So Jaden Harris, the guy, his dad is actually a Colombian soccer player. Right. So he went to a small school in, in, in Georgia, really played more soccer growing up. Then we started playing football. Again, it was a small school. He was the best athlete. He was running, playing running back. He was playing a little corner, but it wasn't like what you see down here where guys are really playing corner against top receivers and honing their craft in that area. So he's really an athlete. Comes to Miami, plays a little bit of nickel corner, gets on the field early because of his work ethic and his tenacity and his physical gifts being a, a big, fast guy. Um, but got cooked pretty good. Uh, got victimized a couple times at that slot corner position, the nickel corner position. Um, ends up making the move to safety. I heard early on that Gidry liked him at safety. We talked about it on the Canes Inside podcast that Gidry liked what he could do there, and that's uh, that's ultimately where we thought he would end up. He did end up there, and he's making plays. He again. This is an athlete. This is someone who's not necessarily a lifelong safety, like a Camp Kitchens who was balling in Dade County at safety from his sophomore year. But he's learning the position. He, we know he's fast. We know he's physical. He's a strong guy at safety, built kind of like a James Lewis, for those who remember from the 2001 team. Um, good tackler, physical, not afraid to tackle, and has good form, is, is, is reliable. Works hard, plays hard. So a lot to like with Harris. I think that the key to with him is just experience, learning the safety position, but physically and attitude wise, I think he's, he's really doing well. And then in a similar light, Thomas Gore on the defensive line, another guy that Gidry was asked about this week and talked about how he stepped up in the absence of some guys there with injury. Yeah. He's been our most productive defensive tackle statistically, and he was very productive at Georgia, uh, Georgia state. He was one of these PFF top players. I think when he got here, people said, you know, obviously Miami's trying to get bigger with the body types, and you've seen that across the board. A guy like Thomas Gore goes the other way as a small player, but he's a very good small player, I think, and a very experienced small player. It's not someone you're signing out of high school. So I think the thing with Gore is 
Right. Well, I guess the Georgias of the world or the Oklahomas, right, or the Texases or Alabamas, you may not have a guy like Gore on the field. Well, look at our schedule and tell me how many didn't play that much against Texas A&M. That's fine. Next week, following week, he's balling. So there's a lot of guys on, on our schedule that he could take advantage of. Again, UNC, I don't want to look ahead, but UNC played Georgia State last year. And that tape got Gore an offer with both UNC and Miami. He had offers from both because really abused uh, UNC's interior offensive line, including Corey Gaynor, who's UNC center. So there's a lot of good matches for Thomas Gore on the schedule. He's very productive. And uh, Georgia Tech's another one where he can cause a lot of havoc. And, um, you know, he's someone who didn't get recruited by Georgia Tech out of high school. So he's he, he's got a lot, uh, lot to prove. But he's a very, very, very effective player for what he does, which is get in the backfield, be hard to block, and, and cause a lot of havoc. Well – Opening ACC game of the of the year this weekend against Georgia Tech, as the slate will definitely pick up over the next few weeks here. Canesinsight.com will have you covered as always. And as D Money said, he's going to be having a recruiting update pretty soon, right? So no one wants to miss those. Everyone's been asking about that in social media, in the comments section, on Twitter, things like that. Just know that when D has information to drop. You guys will have it first, and then everyone else. It'll pop up everywhere else. Um, but D Money in the Bank is going to bring you the most accurate, and it's going to be first most of the time. Well, look, we, we it's uh, it's it's October fourth. We're getting a lot of crystal balls rolling in for Nike Carr, the wide receiver out of Moultrie, Georgia, top seventy-five player, probably a top fifty player by the by the next recruiting ranking um, in the nation. Speed Demon. I heard we went up and saw him. He looked bigger than expected. Some Jacoby George comparisons, probably a little faster. This is from, again, what I heard from from the in-person eval. Um, he's getting the crystal balls now here uh, October 4th. Go back to canesinsight.com on the forums. I believe it was September 1st. It was at least over a month ago. Um, you know, we, we mentioned keep an eye on Nike Carr. He's committed to Georgia at the time, but keep an eye on him. Miami's going to make an aggressive run, and we've seen what happens. So I uh, hope to, to finish that job. This weekend, I know that's the plan and the expectation. He's going to visit. He'll, he'll meet with Mario, and hopefully he'll see a show uh, at The Rock with this passing game. All right, Canes fans, remember to like and subscribe. We have Chad Bishop up next from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution getting us ready for the Georgia Tech matchup this weekend. Appreciate everyone for listening. Go Canes. Excited to be joined now by Chad Bishop of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's the Georgia Tech beat writer up there. So glad to have you on, Chad. Get some intel on this Georgia Tech side. Appreciate you joining the show today. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. So it's been an interesting week, right, up up there in Atlanta. Um, Obviously, tough loss against Bowling Green after the 2-2 and start. So Georgia Tech now at 2-3. and and then the coordinator change at defensive coordinator, right? So if you can kind of get behind the dynamics of what's been going on these last few days with that coordinator switch and kind of the mood in the building over there. Yeah, it, it was a curious weekend for sure. Um, you know, Georgia Tech going into that week, I mean, it was certainly a trap game for the Yellow Jackets um, given you know who they had played already, the locations they had played. Bowling Green coming in at one and three and, you know, pretty terribly offensively up until that point. 
So that result was surprising in a lot of ways for Georgia Tech. Uh, uh, not only the fact they got up 14 nothing in about six minutes, uh, and then the bottom fell out defensively. And so, yeah, I mean, Brent Key was even asked after the game if there there would be some changes, and he was really sort of noncommittal in that. But, um, you know, he said on, on Sunday in his statement and then Tuesday when we talked to him that he's always evaluating the program, and he did what he felt was best for the team. So you kind of look at it from the outside and you think, well, they play Miami, they're halfway through, then they have a bye week. Why not do it then? You know, why not make that change then? Why do it this week going into a ranked opponent on the road with a really good offense? The flip side of that coin is, well, you better get something figured out now because if you don't, it it could get real ugly on Saturday night. So uh, Kevin Shearer, the linebackers coach, was already the co-defensive coordinator. He had already sort of had a hand in the defensive game planning. He's just going to be playing the call or uh, uh, calling the plays now from the sideline instead of Andrew Thacker. Andrew Thacker will move up to the booth. Uh, he's been coaching the safeties and secondary really all along, so he'll continue to do that. Uh, we talked to Clayton Powell-Lee, uh, one of the safeties, on Wednesday. Uh, he said nothing really seems different in his mind. He's still being coached by the same coaches, and they're still running a lot of the same schemes and the same plays. So I think from Brent Key's perspective, it's just hoping for a new voice and some new energy, and that can you know light a fire under the defense. And that's what he said in his press conference, because like you said, how much of a schematic change can there really be in a few days time in this game prep for Miami? I know from Miami's perspective, offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, you know, he has to be on his toes a little bit, right? Because it is a a different coach there. Um, So that that could come into the equation somewhat. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is this can't be a magic wand scenario. I mean, yeah, when you when you change a <clears throat> excuse me a head coach in the middle of the season, maybe some things change. Uh, but when you're talking about defenses and offenses, it's not like Georgia Tech's going to go from a three three five to all of a sudden run, running a five two on Saturday. I mean, they're going to continue to run the same scheme and the same plays. Now, maybe the personnel groupings might be a little bit different, right? Or maybe some guys play a little bit longer um, than they have before. Maybe some things like that. Maybe the way Kevin Shearer presents his game plan, maybe that is different. So I think it'll be sort of those little nuanced things that maybe folks like us outside of the locker room aren't privy to. And again, maybe that helps uh, those guys play better. But, you know, whoever the defensive coordinator is, that Georgia Tech defense has just got to play at a better level. They got to tackle better. They got to be in better positions. I don't think they're the the most talented defense in the ACC, but they're talented. I mean, they should be playing a lot better than they are. Um, so they, they, it's really, really incumbent for my eyes upon the players to step up and, and play for whoever the defensive coordinator is this weekend. And it was interesting because they came off of that win against Wake Forest, mm-hmm. right, where the defense had a good performance. So kind of the hot <clears throat> and cold nature of it. I mean, look, the, the matchup that I think everyone from the outside looking in is looking at is the run game, Miami's run game, and one of the best in the country statistically against Georgia Tech's defensive <laughs> run game, which has been the opposite of that. Yeah, and they got beat up against Bowling Green, again, which was so surprising. It's not like Bowling Green's, you know, this top 25 team out of the MAC, who's just, you know, a dominant rushing force, but they own the line of scrimmage. And again, this Georgia Tech defense has some depth on the defensive front. And you mentioned that Wake Forest game, ton of tackles for loss, ton of sacks, Kyle Kennard on the defensive end, Zeke Biggers at nose tackle. Uh, they really had some guys step up and make plays and then, for whatever reason, took two steps backwards against Bowling Green. So, yeah, I would think Miami's offense is probably looking at its chops right now, looking at that Georgia Tech defensive front, knowing that Tech has not done a great job of stopping that run. Now, granted, 
They have played Ole Miss, who's one of the best rushing football teams in the country. So those numbers are a little inflated. Uh, but they didn't really do a great job, you know, stopping South Carolina State in the run game either. And they certainly didn't do a good job against Bowling Green. So they got to figure out some way to to pack that box and not lead themselves susceptible to that deep that deep passing game and, and deep shots down the field. Um, as you know, that's always a, a tricky that's a tricky gamble right there to tor- load the box and stop a run game, knowing that you have a talented quarterback there who can make some throws as well. So I'll be curious to see sort of how they line up and, and what their game plan is against that Miami run game. The Miami players and coaches have been very complimentary of the other side of the football mm-hmm. for Georgia Tech, which the offense has had some bright moments this year, averaging, I think, 32 points a game. Right. Haynes King at the quarterback spot, Singleton at receiver, Haynes at running back. Uh, again, uh, defensive coordinator Lance Gidry from Miami and the players in, the, in their interviews this week doesn't seem like they are taking them lightly just because they're coming yeah. off of this this loss. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, is is the issues that Georgia Tech has had defensively? Uh, conversely, the offense hasn't really had any. Uh, yeah, they had a, they had a lull against Bowling Green. They didn't play well in the second, third quarters. Sort of same thing. Sort of happened against Louisville. Didn't have a great third quarter. Uh, had a down second half against Ole Miss. But by and large, it's been a fun offensive to watch uh, and a, an interesting offense to cover. Buster Faulkner is the offensive coordinator. I think he's done a really, really good job of scheming and game planning and getting the skill p- position players in the right spots. Georgia Tech's rushing attack, you know, is not the best in the league and not the best in the world, but they do enough at times to get the ball into hands of their running backs. Trey Cooley, a transfer from Louisville. Jamal Haynes is a converted wide receiver. Dante Smith has been banged up, but he got back in the action a little bit last week. So they got guys back there. And Brent Key is a former offensive lineman, so you know he wants his offensive line to block a lot better than they have. Uh, that being said, again, they've, they've put up a lot of points. they put up a lot of yards. Hank King, Hanks King has played phenomenal. Two of his four interceptions have come on tip balls, so you can't really fault him for that. Uh, he's played really well. He spoke to the media on Wednesday and seemed like he was, he was angry in a good way, like he's ready to get back out there and play even better than he has. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this game not necessarily turns into a shootout, but if both offenses are able to put up some points because I think both offenses are that good. Well, and, and Haynes King, obviously coming over from, from A&M, started the season over there last year. So, without a doubt, he has all the talent in the world. I think 15-4 to four touchdown to interception ratio this year as well. So, the numbers are there. Um, so, look, I, this Miami back you know, backside of the defense, obviously, against AM did allow some yards in that game. I would expect Georgia Tech to try to test them vertically. What's interesting about Haynes King is he actually was at AM last year for the AM Miami matchup, but yeah. he didn't play. Uh, he didn't play in that game despite AM winning. Uh, it was one of the few games he didn't play last year for AM. So we talked to him Wednesday about that, and he said, Yeah, you know, he studied, he prepared for Miami, but Miami has a new defensive coordinator, some of their personnel is different. <clears throat> so he hasn't really gone back to that game a ton. The thing that's allowed him, I think, you know, to be pretty good as well is those those wide receivers. Georgia Tech really stacked up on wide receivers through the transfer portal. Dominic Blaylock from Georgia, um, uh, Leary from Alabama, Chase Lane from Texas A&M. Uh, they got a lot of guys through the transfer portal to bulk up that wide receiver room, and they're all catching passes. Uh, and he's going to his tight ends a lot as well. Uh, Brent uh, Scyther from another Georgia transfer is a guy who's got a t- couple touchdown passes and he's throwing the ball to his running backs out of the backfield. He is being very judicious 
and spreading the ball around. So that's something Miami's defense is really going to have to be concerned with. How would you describe the offense schematically? Because, you know, for, again, from the Miami fans' point of view, Miami has Shannon Dawson comes in as an air raid guy, but they're running the ball a ton with that offensive line. So if you could kind of give us a little background on the scheme that they're running offensively. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's, it's funny because it's a little similar. You look at the numbers and you think Georgia Tech would be a pass-first, pass-happy offense, and they have been at times. But like I said before, they do enough in the ground game to sort of keep defenses honest. Uh, you're going to see a lot of zone schemes. You're going to see a lot of stretch plays. They'll do the wide receiver out, you know, out uh, wide receiver screens horizontally, uh, which personally drives me a little crazy at sometimes. But, you know, it's got to be done because, you know, it opens up the deep ball as well. Um, it, it's pretty multiple in its formations. You know, I heard Mario Cristobal mention this week that, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of window dressing. There's a lot of movement and shifts, a lot of eye candy to sort of keep defenses on their toes and looking the wrong direction. So they'll be doing that a lot as well. Uh, Haynes King, as a quarterback, is not necessarily a dual threat guy, but he can run a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if they allow him to run a little bit more on some design run. So that's something else to sort of be cautious of from Miami side. Again, I think Buster Faulkner and quarterbacks coach, quarterbacks coach Chris Winkie have done a really nice job of sort of game planning and scheming, um, going out of the shotgun, but running inside uh, read zone runs, running some option plays, um, some of these jet sweeps that have become more and more common over the years. So it, 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 there's the playbook is wide open. There's going to be a lot of different formations and a lot of different plays on Saturday. Yeah, Canes fans very familiar with Chris Winkie from his yeah. days at Florida State, obviously. Yeah. And then the other interesting connection is is Brent Key replaced Mario Cristobal at Alabama when when Cristobal took the the Oregon job. Yeah, so. those guys were on. I believe they were on the staff for one year uh, in 2016 when when Mario was coaching tight ends and outs. I think it was tackles and was recruiting mm-hmm. coordinator. And Brent Key came in and. And then Mario left and Brent Key stayed on with, with Nick Saban. So, yeah, those guys go way back. But, you know, you know how it is in this coaching profession. All these guys know each other. Uh, on a personal note, I know Lance Gidry. I was covering him when he was defensive coordinator at Western Kentucky under Willie Taggart. Wow. Um, and he coached uh, Western Kentucky's bowl game as the interim head coach back in 2012. So Coach Gidry and I have known each other a long time. Be good to see him, and it, that's how it is in these professions, right? You know, these guys move around. They all know each other. There's no secrets. Uh, whoever is, is schemed up and studies the most will will have a good chance on Saturday. I, I got to ask you about about Gidry. Then uh, you got any interesting anecdotes that you can that you can share with him about him? Uh, I just I just always loved his fiery passion. You know, back then when we would be able to go to practice and be able to watch him work uh, and watch him direct his defense. You know, just sort of that gruff voice and that bald head. You know, just like your stereotypical defensive coordinator in a good way, right? And it was funny because. You know, with Willie Taggart being the head coach, so that those were two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You know, Coach Taggart and Coach Gidry, but but they seemed to work, and and he was just, you know, always always great to us in the media, always a good guy to work with, and just always remember his fiery passion when I was able to cover him. Yeah, he in his press conference this week, they asked him. He's obviously a Louisiana guy. At the end, they asked him, you know, how he's adjusting to the culture in Miami. And he said there's no restaurant in Miami that that compares to Louisiana food. That so. No, I, I don't think I, I would. I doubt there is, you know, but <laughs> probably no Louisiana restaurant that has good Cuban food. Right. So I oh, mean, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, hopefully you can get some of that Cuban food this weekend. Yeah, I'm uh, going to have to have a lot of uh, Cuban coffee with that 8 p.m. kickoff, man. That's I'm going to Luckily, you know, they have it in the stadium. I didn't know if you were aware of that. There's there's uh, there's oh, actually. I need to know. 
That's all I need yeah, to know. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the, the section number when we get off the interview. I'll find it for you. Um, nice. and, and then last thing here before I let you go, Chad, Brent Key, first full year in charge, yeah. right? He, he came in last year as the, as the interim coach, went four and four, I believe, um, replaced Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech guy, great pedigree, great po- coaching pedigree, as we've discussed, right? W- what's the vibe around his tenure thus far it's it's early days but um kind of what's the 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 feeling in town about him yeah i mean i think everybody's really rooting for for brent key i mean he played offensive line at georgia tech he was on some really good teams you can you can understand his passion for georgia tech when he talks about georgia tech as a school and as a football program i mean he wants to get this thing right Uh, and and i said all along you know a lot of coaches come in and they're sort of facing a rebuild or uh, really having to build a foundation. I don't know if that was necessarily the case with Brent Key because he, he'd been on staff as an assistant. He took over on interim basis. <clears throat> Excuse me, had a lot of guys coming back on his roster. But at the same time, I mean, there's there's things that he wants to put his stamp on and put his mark on. I think you're seeing that right now, right? It's, it's clearly not as smooth sailing as probably he would have hoped five games in, and they still have a long way to go. But I think uh, he's brought in some really, really good coaches, uh, he's recruiting at a very, very high level. Um, so I think there's some cautious optimism that this is the guy to, to get the job done and get them back, you know, to where they were in, in the Paul Johnson era, just sort of a different route of getting there. But, you know, he loves Georgia Tech, um, you know, a lot. He talks about a lot. It almost seems like he gets emotional sometimes when he talks about his alma mater. Um, so he, he's he's dedicated to making this place a lot better than it currently is. And He's getting some new facilities. You know, they're redoing one end of the stadium to turn uh, the facilities into into better than what they are right now. So that'll help him moving forward. And um, you know, we'll just we'll just see how it works out here in the end. But um, he he he's dedicated to making this team a lot better than it has been the last couple of years. Everyone in in the country getting their government uh, <laughs> government uh, alert right here. The do not disturb. The do not disturb apparently does not. You can be disturbed, I guess. I think this is the once a year that they test it out, and of course, right in right in the middle. Right in the middle of it, yeah. But, um, no, Chad, appreciate your your insight today, Canes fans. Check out Chad's work on the Atlanta Journal Constitution the rest of the year long. Obviously, we still have the basketball season as well, and I know that, you know the Tech basketball program trying to turn things around there yep. too. So um, excited to see what happens this weekend and. I know the Canes fans are, you know, way more informed now on what's going on over there. Appreciate your time, Chad. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Call anytime.